Welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network's weekly Wednesday live stream, where we interview labor leaders about current labor issues. On our February 17, 2021 program, we discuss the Amazon organizing drive in Alabama and the role of the UAW and unions. Our guests included Josh Brewer from the Retail Wholesale and Department Store Union, RWDSU, who is one of the lead organizers for the Amazon Union Drive. And our other guest is Wayne Blanchard of the United Auto Workers and is the Ohio and Indiana Regional Director. This week's hosts are Mark Gavart of My Labor Radio and David Story of Valley Labor Report. My name is Evan Papp and I co-produce the Wednesday Weekly Livestream. Here is the show. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. This is the Labor Radio Podcast Network's live stream. You're joining us live. I am Mark, one of your co-hosts tonight, and I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. I do a show called My Labor Radio. I'm joined tonight by Mr. David Story. David, give us a little bit about you, sir. My name is David Story. I'm the president of the Machinist Union Local 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Uh, I'm also one of the hosts of the Valley Labor Report. Today, we have Brother Josh Brewer from RWDSU on the show with us. He is the lead organizer in Bessemer, Alabama, heading up the Amazon Union Drive, what they're calling the Bamazon Union Drive, and a perfect name for that. Welcome in, Brother Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I I appreciate uh, y'all bringing me in tonight. And, you know, we're excited, a lot going on, but look forward to talking with you all. Bamazon Union, the first time we heard it, we said, that's it. We'll we'll, we'll roll with that. So that is that is it. Amazon worker came up with it too. So that's fantastic. That's even better. Yeah. Well, let me introduce our other guest too, is Wayne Blanchard from United Auto Workers. He's the regional director in UAW's 2B, which is Indiana and Ohio. Wayne, thank you for joining us. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for um, the invitation. I appreciate, you know, taking the time and talking with you guys tonight. Everybody talking about the union drive. So if you could just Maybe take a moment to tell all of our brothers and sisters out there kind of how this developed and give them a little bit of a background. Sure. A lot of people ask us, you know, why, why Amazon? You know, why, why did you choose Amazon? Why, why go after Amazon? And, you know, it, the, the, the premise of the question immediately signals a false understanding of, of labor. And it's that, you know, we didn't choose Amazon. The workers at Amazon chose us. We're grateful for that. We see it as a responsibility. We're humbled by it. But Workers reached out to us uh, late last summer with just a variety of issues. One, one thing that's interesting for us, it was, it was really kind of hard to wrap our minds around how a facility that had just opened uh, three to four months prior to that had already upset their workforce to a level that they were looking for outside help or looking to organize a union. It's not something we normally see. Usually it, it, it kind of takes some time for these bad habits to set in and some of these bad management to kind of get foothold and, and, and some real issues to set in. And so for, for it to be three months open, that was very different for us. And so, you know, admittedly, I, I probably asked our committees a hundred times, you know, are you sure everybody's you know, ready to do this. You guys got to come. You got to come. And so, you know, we did. We, we, we started with some community organizing, very, very close to the chest, as you said, not public at all, 
just uh, really activists inside of Amazon, a meeting in, in restaurants and bars. And, you know, we would we would meet someone, would call our, our offices and, and say, hey, meet me here at Five Points. And and uh, we'd go in there and they, they'd pull out 100 authorization cards. And we really realized, holy smokes, there's 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 a lot of interest in former union here. And so we, we developed a plan, met with, you know, dozens of, of Amazon workers throughout July, August, September to kind of formulate the plan. And October 20th is the day we went public. And when I say we went public is the day that we showed up at, at Amazon's gates. We trained a lot of our members to come out. We knew that it would be a large scale operation. We're a 10,000 member council here in Birmingham. And so we knew we need some help. And so we trained up and, and brought a lot of uh, warehouse workers, poultry workers, some healthcare workers with us to the gates. And we actually haven't left those gates except for Christmas Day and Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday since October 20th. We're out there now talking to workers. That's really how we, we came out there and, and really how things started. Um, but it, it's really been just uh, for us just to keep up with, with everybody at Amazon. It's incredible. I think that really speaks to the dynamic because I was talking to my co-host a few months ago when y'all first went public. And it was originally like 1,200, 1,500 member bargaining unit. And then I was refreshing the NLRB website. And and then all of a sudden it comes out 6,000. And I was literally on the chat with him that moment saying, either these guys are crazy or they have one hell of a damn A-card list stacked up. This is not orthodox, traditional organizing, but there was so much fire there, you didn't have any choice. You just take, you took them all, you know, kind of like your family. <laughs> right. I want to bring Wayne into this conversation because Wayne has been quite a while in the uh, organization with the UAW, spent several years there. Let's just put it nicely. You've done this for a while. Regional director as of 2020, some of the uh, organizing victories and things that you've been chasing since you've been around with the UAW in Region 2B. Well, so what, what's, what's happening in America and what we see right now, just like in Alabama, is workers starting to fight back. They want a voice in the workplace. They want improved safety in their work sites and want to get treated with dignity and respect. If the workers can decide for themselves free without, you know, the intimidation from the employer, obviously we win those elections. And that's what the problem is. We definitely got to get that legislation for the PRO Act. Workers have a right to choose freely. And when they have a right to choose, you know, we're successful. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the PRO Act. Earlier today, David Story, our co-host, said no matter their politics, bosses have one thing in common. They hate collective action and unions. There are two classes in the world, and it's not Democrats and Republicans. It's the working class and the ruling class, and it's incumbent upon our survival for you to pick a side, and that's what those folks are doing. David, talk about that. Yeah, it comes back to this oppression thing and picking a side. Whenever I said pick a side, we've got to stand with, with the oppressed, no matter, you know, whether it's workers, social justice, economic justice, and things like that. But especially in Bessemer, we know oppression. We've lived oppression, you know, as far as seeing it live growing up, you know, with, with Dr. King coming down there and things like that. So if you could, Josh, speak a little bit, you know, in the South, we love to talk about religion with everything, but I think it's important. It is. It guides my my life, and so I would consider it to be important. Look, I, I, Wayne commented on it. It's, it's dignity and respect, and it's, yeah. it's something that is someone that 
services a lot of workers in the poultry industry, services a lot of, look, CNAs in these nursing homes in these rural areas, a lot of these places that are just grossly uh, underpaid. And our union for many decades now has been fighting to lift that floor in the South. A large amount of this nation's history was fought and changed in the South, in Birmingham, among, among the spirit of the South, among, among people of color coming together and saying, look, this is something we're not going to stand for. And I think when you look at Bessemer, you look at a city that is, that is facing 30% poverty rate, one of the highest crime rates in the country. It's a city that has, has very much struggled post-industrialized world and industry leaving Bessemer. And what ended up here is that Amazon promised an opportunity for these 6,000 workers that said, you know what, we're, we're going we're gonna to come in and we're going to give you a hope for tomorrow. This is, this is new and this is, this is big, and we've got benefits and good commercials, and we're going to put you in college, and we're going to offer all these things. And it, and it sounded so good. And I think, I think what workers found when they got in there was more of the same. And, and in fact, not even more of the same, potentially far worse. This idea that I think when you take away the spirit of a man or woman and you, you treat them as if they're a part of this assembly line, which essentially Amazon has, and they, they haven't hidden that. This is part of their philosophy on how they operate is that everything is automated to the second. And that includes bathroom breaks. And when people got inside of that facility and they felt that, they felt, whoa, this is different. This is even different than maybe, maybe that other job I came from that guy was not very good to me. This is a whole nother level of it. And I think it scared people. I think it was like, wait a second, you're, you're trying to take away something from me. And that's my humanity and my freedom, my ability to come and go as I please. You're, you're timing me, you're surveilling me, right? This doesn't feel right. And, and if you talk to workers, they can't even necessarily put their finger on it. It's that I felt less than human. I felt like I was treated as, as, as this, this part in the system and not as a human being. Wayne, I want to talk about politics and why it's important for union members and working families in America to be involved in politics. And you hit it by talking about the PRO Act and what that's about. And people hear the name only, but why do you think it's really important for us to be involved in politics? Well, what we win at the bargaining table can get taken stripped away at the ballot box. We have elected officials that can write legislation of judges that can take away what we earn at the bargaining table. So those are the principles that we're, we've been founded on and mm-hmm. those, what we stick with. We, we just got to make sure that we relay that same message to our members so they can understand. It's not a Democrat-Republican issue. It's, it's We got to stay involved with politics because we need people who are worker-friendly, you know, mm-hmm. look out for the working people. And men and women that get up every day, go to work, try to make an honest living. And, and, and Josh is saying it. I mean, th- these people are not robots. And timing people on their breaks, people can't control their bodily functions. It is what it is. You drink some water and maybe an hour later, you know. You, you got to go. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what do you do? What do you do with that? People in America right now, they're, they're standing up. They're tired. Um, tired of the mistreatment. The new administration that we have in office has has done something that, not too many people have done over the years openly says that they support unions, you know, and we need to do all we can right now to as organizations to represent our members and show them that this is our opportunity right now that, that we need to take advantage of as far as in the political process, we just got to elect friends of labor. 
I think that's probably one of the most important things uh, whenever you start talking to people. The amount of money that is spent on these campaigns, you hear a lot of the right-wing media talk about the pay you don't drive these companies out of business. The, the amount of money that these companies spend on union busting don't hold a dime to what they're going to pay in the long term. They're they are fighting for control inside the facility. They do not want to lose one ounce of control because whenever the workers find out that, hey, we can negotiate for ourselves and, and we can have a say on the, on the shop floor, that whole dynamic between manager and worker changes. The hundreds of millions of dollars they got invested. Sure. You know, obviously this is this is stuff that we've never seen before on a level that at least I, I can say that I haven't seen before. And and one gentleman that is doing the union busting is is being paid thirty two hundred dollars a day. And that's that's a day. Now they're using union busters for one on one meetings. And so they're coming to the workstations, they're talking to the workers on one on one basis. I don't know how many people it takes to talk to 6,000 workers on a one-on-one basis, but at $3,200 a day per person, right? One thing that was so offensive to these workers is that one of their primary concerns is that they work a 10-hour day with two breaks, two thirties, no 15s, no 10, no five, no stool, no sit down. So two, four and a half hour runs, and then they've got a 30-minute hard break. So the, these facilities are 16 football fields. And so a lot of workers, they, they get done in that hard break. They've got to walk multiple football fields just to get to the break room. By the time they get there, they, they eat a sandwich in five minutes and they make the long walk back to work. That's no break. That's no rest. And so that was one of their major concerns. Well, of course, Amazon said, well, we can't. Our process, the, 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 you know, the infrastructure. But they could find two hours a day for the last two months to pull them off of their job, sit them down in captive meeting classes and hammer them. And, and, and there is no third party union. And so what is union busting, right? So this idea that union busting is about a union buster is telling them how terrible Joshua Brewer is, doesn't even make sense, right? Because I'm just me and I can't possibly take on Amazon by myself. So what they're really saying is we're going to bust you, your opinion. The fact that you sign union cards, they know that 3,000 folks sign union cards or we wouldn't be in this position. And so they're telling their own workforce, right? We disagree with what you're doing. We don't support it. In fact, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. And they hit them with this incredible amount of misinformation. And I think one thing where people misunderstand, it's not that workers believe the lies being told by union busters. They don't. They don't believe it. What union busting does is it beats down and exhausts workers who are trying to fight. And it, 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 they, they try to give them this idea that the rest of their life will be in constant conflict. It will be strikes and angry. And obviously, whether they say it or not, the worker is going to feel that because they're working in an environment where the, their boss is not supporting their decision. And they're openly telling them, we don't support your decision to do this. And so imagining just the, the environment that that has to create in a workplace and I think what, what their goal is, is not to convince workers to not unionize. 45% of our country wants a union right now, and, and they just can't get it because of the, the flawed system. Their goal is to just beat them to a place where they just give up. They just say, forget it. If this is too much. It's too difficult. And I'm not sure that I'm ready for this kind of conflict. 
And that is not a free and fair democratic process, which is what the, uh, the union election is supposed to be. And so it's been exhaustive. It's been constant. It's been bombarding. I think it's, it's been known when you, when you actually put your literature and your signage eye level to the people sitting down on the toilet, not just on the inside of the stall door, but you actually drop it to the level to where someone that is actually going to be using the facilities will see it. It really gives you this idea of, of what these workers are going through on a, on a daily basis I and mean, have been really since last fall, if you can imagine. And so it's been a, it's been a war. We're going to focus on winning this campaign and we're going to focus on, on, on giving positive change and what this thing's really about. And, and we'll let the chips fall where they fall and, and we'll cross those, those bridges when we get there. But yeah, they're, they're willing to do all things, including, you know, obliterating the law to stop this election from happening. The worker oppression in this state, labor laws in general, what businesses are allowed to do to workers. I read articles about workers standing on the line in diapers because they couldn't get bathroom breaks. This is stripping somebody of their, of their human dignity. And I think what we've come to recognize as I grew up is this isn't a black versus everybody else or a brown versus everybody else. We, this is a worker versus the owners. And we've got to start standing together as a class and not separate ourselves by identity politics, whether it be black, brown, red, white, yellow, or by Republican, independent, libertarian, Democrat, all of that goes out the window whenever you go to work. None of that matters no more. It's kind of like one of the mine workers said on our show a few months ago, when you go down in that mine, everybody's the same color. And, mm -hmm. and you start talking to each other and you start understanding just because this brother next to me is a different color, he has the same wants and desires that we have, the same needs that we have and things like that. We're in a fight. I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's being called David and Goliath for a reason. One day we'll compare our budgets and see, you know, who spent what on this campaign. And I would imagine that our, our, our budgeting is very, very fractional uh, to the amount that Amazon is. And, and so, you know, look, it, it just shows you, you can't hold down the spirit of people and that when people come together, amazing things happen. We're certainly not out here with any fluff. We're fighting 20 hours a day, hundreds of people to get this thing done because we feel like we can win. Love is a powerful thing. We don't do this for the pay. We do it because we love what we do. Well, for our organization, our union, you know, to be involved in the communities, it, it, it says a lot about the workers that people work all day, they work their shift, and then they take the time out. We want to make a decent wage so we could, you know, be able to have the American dream. Dostin was fighting for it down there in Alabama. It's, it's just being able to be able to have time to, to share with your family, raise a family, food on the table. Have a, have a home to stay in, have a vehicle to travel around in, and hopefully one day you got enough money you can take a vacation. You know, just like the CEOs, you know, in these, in these corporations, you know, they live the American dream, you know, but they live it way, way at a level higher than us, you know, and, and, and it's coming to be that time that they need to share, share some of that wealth and share some of those opportunities to workers. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is. You know, I go back to that dignity and respect. You know, they just want to be able to come to work and do their job and go home, you know, and take care of their families and not be treated like robots, like Amazon, you know, didn't prepare for when they designed the facility.
I want a break room at one. I mean, having to walk football fields to get to it. You know, those are the things that we bargained for in our in our plans. You know, we bargained for break areas. You know, we bargained for restrooms. You know, stuff like that to make to make accommodations to the people that's working for the employer. To me, that just go hand in hand. You know, take care of your community. And and hopefully your employer that's that's set up shop in your community is doing its doing its best to take part in supporting the community that they had they, they run their business in. So All right. Thank you. And if someone asks me, well, what do you do? And I tell them I'm a union member, and then I tell them what I do. And that starts a conversation because those are those educational opportunities. We only get them for once in a while. I think the beauty of the labor movement is is that it's it's a movement and that uh, we need to, to your point, we need to always be bringing up the next generation of people behind us to pass this thing too, because that's that's the singular most important part of our campaign. If you look at the notes and the conversations that we've had with workers, again, if we win, it's because aunts and uncles and grandparents and parents shared why this was important and they knew that going into it, that's how we, we change things. And I think that's super important to note. So I appreciate that. That was an excerpt from our February 17, 2021 Labor Radio Podcast Network live stream. You can watch the full episode by visiting our website at laborradionetwork.org, and you can follow the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the hashtag LaborRadioPod. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in during the Wednesday live stream from 7 to 8 p.m. EST, and we will read your questions on air to pose to guests. The live stream is co-produced with Chris Garlock, and my name is Evan Matthew Papp of Empathy Media Lab, and we're a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, which has grown to over 80 shows in five countries and serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content, and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. Our social media guru is Harold Phillips of Working to Live in Southwest Washington. And remember, we all play a role in this working class struggle. Union solidarity forever.